Welcome to Baran Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. I have a friend and a client who owns several companies that employ thousands of people. And he was born into a wealthy family, so he had always been, as he describes it, a person of privilege. He asked me to fly out to see him. He was working on an idea and he wanted my perspective. He decided that he was going to take a one-year sabbatical to go undercover to see how the other half lives, and he wanted my opinion. I didn't think it would make much of a difference, but I couldn't find fault with his logic. If the experience had an impact, it could have quite an effect on his leadership. There was no way to talk him out of it, so I wished him well. He decided to begin in a homeless community. He moved in, and every day he spent time listening to the perspective of the community's residents. One evening, he was talking to a former United States Marine who was now homeless. He listened to the Marine's story. I'm not into pity parties, the Marine said, but to tell you the truth, I never imagined myself in this situation. I've gotten used to it, but I can't get over it that this is how I've ended up. My biggest frustration is sleeping on the hard ground every night. It's painful. As my friend would listen to the stories, he would allow time to pass before he acted. Three weeks after the conversation with the Marine, an air mattress was delivered to the Marine's tent. And so it went. After any conversation, my friend would do something to make the life of the person he talked to a little better. Because he was a great listener... He became quite a hit with the ladies in the community. They would flock to his tent just to hear his voice. They loved how he used his words. Unfortunately, the men in the community were quite jealous of the attention he got, and they vowed to teach him a lesson. One night, when my friend was asleep, six men sneaked into his tent and gave him a beating. The man got carried away. The beating was so severe that my friend died. Shocking, isn't it? Not so much. You may know someone who suffered a similar fate. The sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, suffered that same fate. The one who was fully God humiliated himself by taking on the form of a human. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 communicates his fate. Being found in appearance as a man, the Lord, God the Son, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Lord was rejected by his own people, the Jews, and was murdered 
through a conspiracy among the religious leaders of his day. He was the Lord Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man, who came to earth to save all creatures from their sins. The jealous unbelievers, the alleged religious leaders, conspired to kill him. He wasn't appreciated at all. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and a man acquainted with grief, like no one from whom men like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. At Barah Ministries, we come together as a community to learn about him by studying his word. We aren't interested in man's interpretation of him. We want to know his perspective, and that's why we teach the word of God from God's perspective. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 asks, who has known the mind of the Lord so well that he would be qualified to instruct him? And the answer, of course, is no one. But we believers in Christ have the mind of Christ. And that's what the Bible is, that's what the Word of God, that's what the inerrant canon of Scripture is. It is the mind of Christ. And by knowing his mind, we get to know him. We know how God thinks when we study his words, and it's an absolute privilege that he lets us get to know him through his word. God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world for a period of time. Satan sponsors all of the misinformation and all of the attacks against God. And he is happy to use anyone who falls for his schemes. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 say this, Be of sober spirit and be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan loves destroying things, including you. But resist him, standing firm in your faith in Christ, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brethren, other believers in Christ, who are all over the world. The Lord allows us to experience tribulation to strengthen us. His training results in perseverance, character, and hope. The absolute confidence in this thought, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us believers in Christ, and of course he is, who can ever be successful against us? And the answer again is no one. Today's Bible lesson are you letting liars interfere with getting to know God? Are you letting liars interfere with getting to know God? Well, when false teachers want to put new ideas in your mind, their first step is to attack your previous teachers and their messages. They want to erase the things you already know and replace those things with their teaching. So it was in first century Galatia, as the Judaizers attacked the Apostle Paul and the freedom provided by the accurate gospel message of salvation so that they could invite these new believers in Christ back into the slavery of Judaism and the Mosaic Law. In today's lesson, as, uh, we'll see how the Apostle Paul defends both himself and the truth as we begin our study of Galatians chapter 1. Well, let's hear some music. If we want to live a life of freedom, 
we have to walk in the light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light, makes a promise to all mankind. He says this, Jesus spoke to the scribes and Pharisees saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, last week we played this song from June Murphy and we played the wrong version of it. So this week we got it right. Here's June Murphy to remind us in her song to walk in the light. Thank you, June. Let us pray. Yeah? Awesome. 
We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying the absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, we thank you for so many things. We thank you for your integrity as a person. You are someone we can count on. We thank you for your plan to save all mankind and for your personal plan for each of us. We thank you for your perfect provision. You always give us exactly what we need when we need it. We thank you for your protection from our enemies and your protection of our eternal security. We thank you for your pardon. You forgive us for every sin we've ever committed, past, present, and future. We thank you for your omnipresence. You are an ever-present help in times of trouble. We thank you for your promises, which give us hope, the absolute confidence of a glorious future in union with your Son and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Father, it's so easy to be deceived, especially here in Satan's kingdom. We ask you to give us the critical thinking skills needed to discern the truth. We ask you to fill our souls with truth as we study the Word of God. And we ask you to open our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears so that we can discern lies when we see them and when we hear them. Thank you for God the Holy Spirit who leads us into all the truth. Help us walk in the light. Help us live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you called us. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, are you letting liars interfere with your getting to know God? Are you letting liars interfere with getting to know God? Well, a question to start our study of Paul's lesson to, uh, letter to the Galatians in chapter 1 is this. Are you gullible? Are you gullible? What does it mean to be gullible? You are gullible when you are easily tricked by the things people say, being more willing to believe everything you hear. Put that up, Denny. Easily tricked. Gullible is easily tricked by the things people say or being more than willing to believe everything you hear. The word gullible describes most people. If you tell a public lie about someone, about a third of the people who hear the lie will believe it no matter what. And if you understand this, then you know why the propaganda perpetrated by the media establishment is so effective. People who watch the news adopt the viewpoint of the newsmakers without any verification from evidence as to whether the viewpoint they are adopting is true. Contrast this approach to the way a judge works in a court of law. A plaintiff and a defendant come before the judge. The plaintiff is accusing the defendant of some criminal act. The defendant either committed the act or he didn't. And it's up to the judge to decide what is true. Well, how does the judge do that? The judge hears both sides of the argument. Gullible people never listen to both sides of the argument. They listen to one side of the argument and make their decision. The judge hears both sides of the argument, evaluates the evidence presented by both sides, and then renders a verdict. Guilty or not guilty? Are you gullible? You know the answer. Absolutely. If someone comes to you and tells you something about another person, you are likely to believe it without questioning what you're being told, And especially if you consider the person who is telling you the story to be credible. Most people believe what they hear, whether the source 
is credible or not. Well, in his first missionary journey to evangelize to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul went through a region of modern-day Turkey called Galatia. Here is a map of Galatia during Paul's day. So those of you who are just listening, the map will be in the slides um, on the website. But that's the Galatian region during Paul's day. Here's a map of modern-day Turkey. This is what the Galatian region looks like now. And if you can zoom into the map, just above Syria is a place called Cilicia. And in Cilicia is a place called Tarsus, where the Apostle Paul grew up. So while founding the churches in the Galatian region, The Apostle Paul presented an accurate gospel message given to him directly from God, and the people in the region believed uh, believed Paul and became Christians. And as soon as Paul left the region, a group of false teachers known as the Judaizers came in and presented a different gospel message. Now, who are these Judaizers? They believed that to be saved, you needed to be Jewish, and you need to follow the Mosaic Law, and you need to follow all the rituals of the Mosaic Law. So these Judaizers were presenting a different gospel message. It was a lie spread by a group of false teachers, and the Galatian region believers swallowed the lie hook, line, and sinker. That's a fishing term. When you really catch a fish, the fish takes the hook, grabs the line, swallows the sinker. And so that's what it means to be gullible. The Galatian believers rejected the truth that Paul had taught them in favor of the Judaizers' lies. And let's face it, people love working. Paul was offering a salvation by faith alone and Christ alone through grace alone. The Judaizers were saying, yeah, 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 believe in Christ. That's all all fine. But then you got to get to work. And, you know, even uh, today, you have people promoting the same viewpoint where they'll say, well, what did James say? James said, faith without works is meaningless. Okay, well, James was talking to a group of believers in Christ, and it had nothing to do with salvation. What it had to do with is, if you believe in Christ, that needs to show up in the things that you do. Gullible. The Galatian believers rejected the truth in favor of these lies. They went backward in their spiritual life, from freedom back to slavery. And that's what slaves love to do. Slaves love to be slaves. Slaves hate being free. It's exactly what happens to each of us every day of our lives. All during COVID, people would say, be safe, be safe, always be safe. The pandemic's been over for nearly two years, and people are still saying it. Be safe. Be safe. And I always feel like, well, what, am I in jeopardy here? Am I in danger? I'm not in danger, but people just get that thing in their head, and they just keep saying it over and over. That's how easy it is to control the minds of people without critical thinking skills. And you hear it all the time. I listen to athletes. Well, at the end of the day, I was like... It's all good. Just one after another of these expressions. Don't go there. 
It's just so funny how all those things are adopted when you, you're talking to somebody in customer service on the phone and you say, how are you today? Uh, fine, how are you? Uh, so somebody will say, how are you today, Rory? And I'll say, fine, how are you? I'm very, very well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. You go to Starbucks. What can I get started for you? You go to Dunkin' Donuts. What can I get started for you? You go to McDonald's. What can I get started for you? Just people are so easy to program. So easy to program. Hitler proved that. How, how, how fast did Hitler program the minds of people and get them to think that one race of people was somehow inferior and needed to be wiped off the planet? That's how fast it is to program people. That's how good Satan is, and it's a shame. So let's take a look at Galatians chapter 1. It has three parts. The greeting... The tongue lashing and the testimony. The greeting, the tongue lashing, and the testimony. The Judaizers came in to ask the Galatian believers, who is this Paul guy, right? What are they going to do? They're going to attack the teacher. What is this gospel message that he proposes? What do they do next? They attack the teaching. You do nothing and you're saved, they claim. That's preposterous. He wasn't even with the other apostles. And you believe him? That's what they were saying to the Galatian believers. Who is this guy? Because let's face it, Paul was the replacement apostle for Judas Iscariot. So he wasn't with the other believers. So when Judas killed himself, the Lord replaced Judas with Paul. The apostles replaced Judas with a guy named Matthias. And the Bible gives an account of how they picked Matthias. They picked him from among two or three people by lots. And so you heard about Matthias at that point, and then nowhere else in the Bible do you ever hear about him again. Why? Because he wasn't God's choice. He was man's choice. No good. So Paul goes to work on the lies. Let's begin with the greeting, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 say this, Paul, an apostle sent from God, not sent from men, not sent through the agency of man, but sent through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. You'll see this come up again in verse 12, Galatians 1, 2. And from all the brethren, all the believers in Christ who are with me, to the churches of the Galatian region, Galatians 1, 3, grace to you and peace, from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1.4, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, who gave himself up as a substitute for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, Galatians 1.5, the Father to whom belongs the glory forevermore. Amen. All right, Paul is off to a peaceful start. And though that is typical of the Pauline letters. He will start with a greeting. He'll talk about who's with him. And everything will be hunky-dory. Next, typically in Paul's letters, would be praise. Not this time. Now all hell breaks loose. Paul goes out of his mind. He flips out. And so here is the second part, which is the tongue lashing, verses 6 to 10. Here's what he has to say, Galatians 1.6. I, Paul, am amazed. The Greek indicates astonished, shocked, 
I am amazed. I can't believe it. That's what he's saying. I can't believe that you would be so gullible, so stupid, so easily influenced that you Galatian believers are so quickly deserting the God who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. That's what happened. Paul gives them the accurate gospel. What happens? Satan sends in his emissaries to give them the false gospel. Galatians 1.7, a gospel, which is really not another gospel at all because there's only one true gospel. Only there are some people among you who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. These false teachers are perverts. And what does a pervert do? A pervert perverts. And what are they perverting? Perverts push perversion. Satan and his minions are perverts. They are slave masters, and they want to rob you of your freedom and call you back to slavery. And let's face it, we love slavery. We love it. So when somebody calls us back to slavery, we feel totally comfortable, and we'll talk about why in a moment. But our God is a God of freedom. He gives us will. He gives us the freedom of choice. He allows us to use our choice as we see fit. The slave masters, the legalists, bombard our psyches with yagadas, telling us that if we don't follow their man-made rules, we can't possibly consider ourselves to be saved. I think about systematic theology, which I was part of for quite a while. Okay, it's faith alone and Christ alone as the ticket to eternal life. But then after that, you gotta. You gotta confess your sins. You got to identify it, admit it, and forget it. You got to confess your sins. You got to this. You got to that. You got to follow the law. You got to keep the. It's nauseating. And, and all those things are uh, human beings teaching as doctrines the traditions of men. That is not the way God does it. What is, false, what is the false teaching of the Judaizers? You need to be Jewish to be saved. You need to have a kosher table, which means you need to follow a set of rituals. You need to be circumcised if you're male. You have work to do. You have to earn God's favor. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta. Free people love to be slaves. People love the doo-doo life. People love doing things to please God. And all these things are things that could never please God in a million years. So Paul is out of his mind. He's flipped out. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. But even if we, and Paul is referring to himself and the other apostles, even if we, or even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you in the past, he is to be accursed. What does that mean? Anathema. He should be sent straight to hell. He should be eternally condemned forever. And Paul then says, I don't believe you heard me. Galatians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And as we've said before, so I say again now, Paul using repetition like great teachers do, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received from me, the true and accurate gospel message, he is to be accursed. He should go straight to hell. He should be eternally condemned in the lake of fire forever and ever because That person is threatening your eternal life. And then Paul asks a rhetorical question in Galatians 1.10. Am I now seeking the favor of men 
or am I seeking the favor of God? There are only two choices. You can seek the approval of men or you can seek the approval of God. I'll take God. Am I striving to please men? If I were still try, striving to please men and I'm not, I, would be a, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So the tongue lashing, Paul spanks them for being so gullible that they would listen to these Judaizers. And there's the problem for most Christians. They are much more interested in the approval of men than in the approval of God. And it's easy to be sucked into this foolish way of living. Let's go to church, but let's not hear the word of God. Let's hear the announcements. Let's hear the collection. Let's have a concert. Let's stand up and wave our hands over our heads. Let's really feel the spirit bouncing off the walls. But if you ask, well, what are the five verses that you need to communicate to an unbeliever so that they have a chance to be saved? Crickets, nothing. See, this is, this is what, what Christians like doing. They like following the herd and trying to turn Christianity into something that it's not. Christianity is not a feeling. Christianity is not a set of rituals. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we'd rather have the approval of men. We'd rather do works to please God instead of letting God do his works to help us. So this letter from the Apostle Paul addresses the disease of legalism, the perversion of the truth, the mixing of the truth with lies. Look, Christianity and the Mosaic Law don't mix. Christianity and sin don't mix. Christianity is perfect, and anything you add to it perverts it. I have vegan friends, and I invited them over for dinner, and out of a concern for their protein intake, because they're so skinny, they look kind of emaciated, I put eggs in a dish that I made for them. Now, if you add eggs to a vegan dish, is it still vegan? Absolutely not. It isn't. If you add sin or the law to Christianity, is it still Christianity? Absolutely not. It's no longer Christianity. So none of the things that the Judaizers propose are necessary for salvation. Salvation comes from faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. Yet people see this offer from God as too easy. It is easy for you. It wasn't easy for him to humiliate himself by coming out of heaven, taking on the form of a human being, <clears throat> and then living a perfect life for 33 years to have people that he loved turn on him, to be killed, to be murdered, slaughtered in the worst form of death in human history, crucifixion. None of that was easy for him. But on the third day, after his crucifixion, he proved his deity by being resurrected from the dead. And now, because of his work, paying for the sins of all mankind, reconciling us, restoring the relationship between us and God the Father, redeeming us, purchasing us from slavery to sin, now salvation is easy for us. And unfortunately, most people just don't want to believe it. 
They want to believe that they can earn their salvation. And these are people who are on the broad road that leads to destruction. And they're going to be some of the most shocked people in the world in the lake of fire when they realize that their works added to salvation was the same as adding egg to a vegan recipe. You add anything to faith alone and Christ alone through grace alone, and it perverts the whole thing. It is not a salvation. God will not acknowledge that as a salvation. God is not confused. God is not arbitrary. God is not sentimental. He's not going to allow you to dictate terms to him about what it takes to be saved. All it takes to be saved is to take God's word for it and the matter of what it takes to be saved, and that is faith alone and Christ alone through grace alone. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, and that's it. You and everyone in your household who also believes. So what you really need to do is examine yourselves to make sure that you are in the faith alone. That's it. And there are going to be a lot of people in the lake of fire who added things to salvation and destroyed their chance for salvation. Well, when we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll see what else Paul has to say to the Galatian believers in this first chapter of his letter. Take a five-minute break.
You got me? Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, are you letting liars interfere with getting to know God? Are you letting liars interfere with getting to know God? Well, often as a part of my prayers, I ask God the Holy Spirit to open your hearts with a spirit of generosity. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says this, The one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for his good deed. May God the Holy Spirit give you a burning desire to serve those who are spiritually bankrupt. Your generosity is how Barah Ministries can provide an accurate gospel message to be enjoyed all around the world. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon at Barah Ministries because here at Barah Ministries, we realize that the spiritual life is about cooperation and not competition. You Just like Pastor was saying with religion, they always add something to it. They're always trying to outwork each other and do, well, what did you do? I did this. I did a mission to Africa, and I, you know, I'm better than you. And so you just see competition from the start. And Pastor nailed it. We are programmed so early. Um, you know, I'm the son of a divorcee growing up. So, you know, I remember shopping at Kmart and being self-conscious about it and trying to hide as I'm buying clothes there. I'd see, like, other classmates and not realizing they're at Kmart, too, but I would try not to be seen. You know, it was a competition <laughs> about clothes. It was like, oh, I, you know, you shop at The Gap, I do, too, you know. And, and then I remember having a car. You know, we had a car that was less than less than average. It was like a Honda Civic that was rusted out and everybody else had a nice truck or something lifted. And so just that natural competition with everybody and even houses, you know, we lived in a a bad part of town versus some of my friends that lived in a real nice part of town. And you think that's who you are and that's really what it is. And just from the get-go, you have competition. And, you know, you think about that, apply that to life. You know, imagine you went to the grocery store and everybody was in competition there. You know, instead of cooperating with each other and going down the aisles, you know, you're playing bumper cars and fighting for the bread, and that would just be a mess, you know, and think about if you went to call the fire department and they showed up, and they're fighting over you, trying to fight who can get you and pick you up, you know, and they're beating each other off and, like, smacking each other and trying to get them off of you, and it, it wouldn't work, you know, and think about Pastor, he was just in a, had a surgery, imagine if he goes into Mayo and the, the lead surgeon is fighting over the scalpel with the, the RN, you know, the competition doesn't work in these scenarios, and it really doesn't work in religion. It doesn't work in Christianity. You know, that's why I, I think that cooperation is what, really what we need. And that's true unity of spirit. When we come together, that's cooperation with God's plan. And when we give at the offering, that's cooperating with God's plan. And so you see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Be diligent to preserve the unity of God the Holy Spirit in a bond of peace. Nothing about competition. That's cooperating with, us, with, with each other in a bond of peace. And I would add love as well, because that's really what gives us the, the best chance is unconditional love. <clears throat> and so thank you for always giving and cooperating with God's plan. 
and being part of this ministry because I know that it, uh, it has impact. It might not feel like it, and it might feel like we're stagnant or we're not getting there, but this is all part of God's plan, all part of cooperating with it. And so here we are. So thank you, and hit it. There is none like you. my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none. How about now? Thank you, Deacon Denny. Today's Bible lesson, are you letting liars interfere with getting to know God? Are you letting liars interfere with your getting to know God? Well, when people desert the gospel message, they're deserting God. They don't think of it that way. It's a form of treason. Well, what is treason? It's the offense of attempting to overthrow a government or to kill a sovereign or the sovereign's family. That's exactly what Satan did in eternity past. He convinced all of the angels to reject their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Treason. He committed treason. He is a Judas. And when people abandon the truth, they kill their relationship with God. They make themselves enemies of God. They make themselves the enemies. It's not that God feels that they're enemies. God loves everybody unconditionally, even his enemies. They put up their dukes to fight with God. I remember when I was a kid, there was a great poem, and it was, My arm's too short to box with God. You better believe it. Don't box with God. They turn to imperfect men for answers while simultaneously turning away from a perfect God. It happens so often today that when it happens, it's no longer a surprise. People love legalism because it makes them feel superior to other people. And that was the essence of Deacon Denny's message about competition. People love legalism because it makes them feel superior to other people. And all you have to do to feel superior to other people is look at other people's flaws, see their flaws only, ignore any evidence about any goodness that they do or any goodness that's in them, and then completely ignore everything about you that is flawed. The Judaizers questioned Paul as a teacher and questioned his teachings, so Paul has to get his Galatian churches straight on who he is, and on where his authority to teach comes from. Because genuine authority is something that is given. And God gives people authority. God has given me the gift of pastor-teacher, and he gives me the authority to teach. God gave Paul a commission. Go evangelize to the Gentiles and cover the whole world as you do it. 
and Paul did his job. Now, Paul continues in Galatians chapter 1, verses 12 to 24, with the testimony of one who is in authority. Let's take a look. I, Paul, would have you know, brethren, Galatian believers in Christ, that the gospel which was preached by me is not a gospel that originates from a man. In other words, a human being is not the source of this gospel message. Galatians 1.12 For I neither received this gospel message from man, nor was I taught this gospel message by a man. But I received this gospel message through a revelation directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that was part of being an apostle is that you had to have seen the resurrected Christ with your very own eyes. Paul did. Paul saw him when he got knocked off his high horse on the Damascus Road, and Paul saw him when the Lord was teaching him out in Arabia. So Paul is really asking the Galatians, okay, now that you know that this gospel message came from God, how do you like me now? Paul invites the Galatian believers to listen to a message from God, or to be deceived by a message from men, the Judaizers. Next, Paul slams the idea home with a bit of personal biography. Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. For you have heard of my former matter of life when I was in Judaism, a religion. You've heard how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Paul was single-handedly trying to wipe out the Christian church. Galatians 1.14. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, men who were my age is what he means by contemporaries, being even more extremely zealous for my ancestral t- traditions. In Greek, when the Holy Spirit was talking about Paul's persecution of Christians, he used the Greek word dioko. It's this intense and zealous persecution. He used the same word for Paul in Philippians when he was talking about what Paul was like when he became a Christian. He was dioko again. He was completely zealous for the relationship that he had with the Christ. Now, the old Paul was taking all of his instructions from men. When he was a Pharisee, he was listening to other Pharisees and His whole goal, personally, him personally, was to wipe out the Christian church. He sought out men, women, and children who were Christians to kill them or to have them killed. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and following says this, But when God the Father, who has set me apart, even from my mother's womb, the Father who called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. I didn't go to human beings for the gospel message. Galatians 1.17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. So again, everything came from God. He didn't seek out anything from men. I went away to Arabia to study with the Lord alone and returned once more to Damascus. Paul returned to Damascus where he was headed 
when the Lord knocked him off his high horse. You remember the story. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 6 say this. Now Saul of Tarsus, that's Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, Acts chapter 9, verse 2, and he asked for letters from the high priest to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, and that's what Christians were called at that time, the way, take off on, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through believing in me. Both men and women, if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem to be killed. See, Paul wasn't content to just be killing Christians in his own area. He did the equivalent of going from the United States to Europe. He went to Damascus. He went outside of his uh, area to then uh, seek to kill people in another area. So Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As Paul was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Acts chapter 9, verse 4. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Paul had an interesting reaction. Acts chapter 9, verse 5. And Paul said, Who are you, Lord? Isn't that funny to ask, Who are you? And then know who it is that's talking to him. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Jesus didn't say, You're persecuting Christians. Jesus didn't say, You're persecuting my people. He said, You're persecuting me. And when people reject a pastor, they're rejecting the Lord. When people reject teaching, they're rejecting the Lord. And this is something that they think they can cover up, but it's not a cover-up to the Lord. Acts chapter 9, verse 6, the Lord said, Get up and enter the city, Damascus, and it will be told to you what you must do. Paul is the replacement apostle for Judas Iscariot. Paul is God's choice for his replacement. He is not the replacement proposed by men. The Lord took the worst person of all time and turned him into the best believer in Christ of all time. Well, Charles Dickens' opening words in his book, The Tale of Two Cities, are an accurate description of the two parts of Paul's life. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. God always saves the best for last. The first part of Paul's life was evil. It was the worst of times. The second part of Paul's life was amazing. It was the best of times. Paul continues in Galatians chapter 1, verse 18. And after this time with the Lord in Arabia where he received revelation and instruction, he followed the Lord's direction and went to Jerusalem to meet two important people in God's plan. Peter, the apostle assigned to the Jews, and the Lord's half-brother James, Galatians 1.18. Then three years later, after my time in Arabia, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that's Simon Peter, he was called the Rock, and I stayed with him for 15 days, Galatians chapter 1, verse 19. But I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's half-brother. So from now on, when you hear Peter, John, and James, 
It's not James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee. It's James, the Lord's half-brother. Galatians 1.20. Now, what I'm writing to you, Paul says, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Galatians 1.21. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, my hometown. Galatians 1.22. Well, Syria is the home of Damascus. And Paul went back to minister to the very Christians he wanted to kill. Then he went home to tell his family members about what Christ had done for him. And since all Pharisees were required to be married, Paul likely lost his wife when he went home. He was there for about 14 years doing his ministry. And it is likely that when he told his wife about this conversion that he had made to Christianity, he's a Jew, but he was also a Christian, he likely lost his wife. And he was celibate for the rest of his life. Galatians chapter 1, verse 22. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in union with Christ. Galatians 1, 23. But they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. Galatians 1, 24. And they were glorifying God the Father because of me. Are you gullible? The Galatian believers chose the path of gullibility. And unfortunately for them, the gospel message does not come from humans. Many Christians want to humanize the Lord. They want to dumb him down instead of honoring him as deity. And so by doing the dumbing down, they pervert the gospel message, turning it into a works-based system. I can't tell you how many friends over the course of my lifetime have told me that they want to earn their salvation. That's impossible. You cannot earn that which is a free gift. Titus warns us against this in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, which say this, The Lord Jesus Christ saved us, believers in Christ, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in self-righteousness, but according to his mercy. What is mercy? Mercy happens when God doesn't give us the wrath of God that sin deserves by the washing of regeneration, and through renewing by God the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3, verse 6. Whom the Lord poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Titus 3, 7. So that being justified by His grace, would be made, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You know what the problem is with freedom? It demands responsibility. That's what people don't like about freedom. It demands responsibility. You get to be one of three things in life. You get to be the hero, the villain, or the victim. If you decide to be free, if you decide to live a life of freedom, you're living the life of a hero. If you decide to be a slave, you're living the life of the victim. And most people, most people like that life. Many prefer slavery because they don't like being responsible. But God offers freedom. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from death. Freedom from the fear of death. Freedom from the judgment of God. Freedom from the yoke of spiritual ignorance. Freedom from darkness. Birds were meant to fly, yet many birds prefer cages. The Galatian believers in Christ preferred the prison of cages, so they listened to the Judaizers instead of continuing to listen to Paul. 
As we continue our study of this letter, we will continue to see Paul unleash his passion for his Galatian churches. Adding things to a perfect message, adding things to the gospel, is heresy. Does it sound reasonable that you get everything for doing nothing? Does that even sound reasonable to you? It doesn't sound reasonable. To humans, this is ridiculous. To a perfect God, it's a routine day at the office. He does everything for us. He gives us everything as a gift. and We receive the benefits. The Christian way of living is not a set of rules. It's a relationship. Between now and the next lesson, what I'd like you to do is read the entire letter to the Galatians. One of the great things to do when you're studying a particular letter is to read the whole thing and get the context of it. And then as we go through it verse by verse, you start to see different things. It's just six chapters. Take note of what the Apostle Paul is communicating to people who have abandoned their freedom. Then ask yourself, Where am I abandoning freedom in my own life? Where am I allowing myself to be a slave? All right. The closing moments of our lesson today could be the ten most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants for you is that you make the most important decision of your life. There's a person at the center of Christianity, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the most important being in the universe. He is the sovereign God. He is the preeminent God. He is the one and only God. And he created you. He loves you unconditionally, and he wants a relationship with you. And that's really good news for you. The bad news is that you were born with a problem. From the moment of your physical birth, God considered you to be a sinner. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says this, It is written, There is no creature who is righteous, not even one. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, All creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. These verses are a formal accusation from God about you. An indictment. It's not your fault that you're a sinner from physical birth, but it is your circumstance. Unfortunately, being a sinner has a penalty. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this, the payment earned for being a sinner is both spiritual death and physical death. As a sinner, you commit personal sins. God requires perfection for you to get into heaven. Those who sin don't meet God's perfect standards. Now, trying to make up for your sins by being a good person or by trying to work your way into heaven with imperfect deeds doesn't impress God at all. The gospel message is the good news concerning what the Lord did to fix the bad news for sinners. Jesus Christ paid a price with his blood on a cross so that sinners can be saved. And responding to his gospel message is the chance to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's what the Lord said to a self-righteous Pharisee, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, verse 3. He said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless you are 
born again. The spiritual birth. You cannot see the kingdom of God the Father in heaven. Fortunately for you, God the Father wants you in heaven. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind in that while we were yet sinners, while we were unrighteous, ungodly, unbelievers, Christ died a sacrificial death for us. Who is this God who saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4. He says this, I, Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received as a direct revelation from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. Absolute righteousness is the admission ticket to heaven. It's the key to eternal life, the resurrection life. And it is yours, free of charge, right now, right where you sit, if you want it. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 11 say this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, confessing that he is God. And if you believe in your heart that God the Father raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 10. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in the imputation of absolute righteousness, which is your admission ticket to heaven. And with the mouth a person confesses, choosing faith in Christ alone, resulting in salvation. Romans 10.11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will not be disappointed. So accept the invitation and heed the warning of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. He who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. There is a hell, and it is a very real place. It is not a concept, and it is described this way in the Bible. Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 to 43. The Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, will send forth his elect angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks, that's unbelievers, and those who commit lawlessness, that's unbelievers. Matthew chapter 13, verse 42. And the elect angels will throw unbelievers into the furnace of fire, the lake of fire, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13, 43. Then the righteous, that's believers in Christ, will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their God and Father. For those without a relationship with Christ, he'll just ask them to step to the left and take the elevator. Just press down. Getting to heaven is easy, though. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believe. Sinners need a Savior. The Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in Him, and you will be saved. Well, let's close with music. There's nothing worse than working and working and working and paying and paying and paying only to have all the work and all the paying not make one bit of difference. That's how it is for those who want to work to earn their salvation. It's pointless. 
But now, there is this provision from God. It's called grace. The only way to get to heaven is by grace alone, by faith alone, and Christ alone. Here is King's Kaleidoscope to remind us of the power of grace alone. I was an orphan lost at the fall Running away when I'd hear you call Father, you worked your will I had no righteousness of my own I had no right to draw near your throne Father, you loved me still And in love before foundation you predestined to adopt me as your own you have raised me so high above my station I'm a child of God by grace and grace alone you left your home to seek out the lost face was set. I worked my fingers down to the bone, but nothing I did could ever atone. But Jesus, you paid my debt. By your blood, I have redemption and salvation. Lord, you died that I might reap what you have sown.
Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Jesus and he will make your path straight. For the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He'll be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is the God of justice and blessed are those who wait for him. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might promote you at the proper time, slamming all your cares on his back because he cares for you. God considers your problems to be his responsibility. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for sending the Apostle Paul to remind us to use discernment in this life, to not accept everything we hear, to pick the right teachers, to examine the evidence before deciding, Let us see your hand in everything we do as you point out the pitfalls and the traps being laid for us in Satan's kingdom. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Um, The uh, prayer session and the Ask the Pastor session will not occur today because Pastor Space Brain forgot to bring his computer So I apologize for that. We'll pick that up next week. So uh, if you've got biblical questions, please send them to askthepastor at barahministries.com. Keep your questions that you had for this lesson for next week, and we'll answer them. And then keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.